0: Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. We continue to follow the latest developments in the cases that have put access to the abortion pill Mifepristone in limbo. The Supreme Court is expected to soon decide whether to freeze the court order out of Texas that revokes FDA approval of the drug. In other news, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg filed a lawsuit against Congressman Jim Jordan in an attempt to block subpoenas seeking testimony about the Trump case. And more stories are surfacing about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's failure to make financial disclosures that potentially run afoul of ethics rules. Preet and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com insider. That's cafe.com insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community.
1: So we should we should talk about some other issues relating to the Supreme Court. And you're ready for the segue?
0: I am. What's your segue?
1: My segue is a question to you, Joyce. Do you think Clarence Thomas has time to focus on the Miffa prestone case <laughs> when he's dealing with revelation after revelation about potential disclosure omissions and violations? We've talked previously on the program about travel from Mr. Crow, this uh, conservative billionaire, that maybe there was some looseness in the, in the rules and some ambiguity about what personal hospitality means. And maybe, for Clarence Thomas, that extended to you know, multi-hundred-thousand-dollar in value jet travel to these homes where personal hospitality was extended. But then the newest revelation since we last appeared on the show seemed much more clearly to be violations. These relate to, among other things, real estate transactions. And in one instance, the company owned by Mr. Crow bought a certain number of properties in Georgia, in Savannah, Georgia, for over $133,000 from three co-owners. And those co-owners were Clarence Thomas, his mother, and the family of Thomas's late brother, according to state tax documents. That was not disclosed. That's not personal hospitality I don't know that there's any play in the joints on that. That's a problem, right?
0: You know, did you have this experience when you did your financial disclosures as a U.S. attorney that a very lovely DOJ employee in Washington would help you with the process, right? She was awesome. I mean, it was so amazing. We should just
1: say, in fairness, these are difficult things to do. Things fall through the cracks. People of good faith and diligence sometimes have to refile and amend because you forget about things. Sometimes people's finances, my finances were not particularly complicated then. They're a little more complicated now. I don't know how complicated Clarence Thomas's financials are, but it's difficult. You know, you have to list everything you own everywhere. If you have a 529 account, you know, an educational account for one of your children, where you're not even really directing everything, there's an enormous amount of disclosure you have to provide about that. And, you know, some people find it oppressive and extensive and it takes takes a lot of hours to do, even if you have fairly simple finances. But this is not that.
0: No, it, it's not. And, and to the point, he had actually disclosed this real estate on prior disclosure forms during his service in the Bush administration. A- his and so, possession, his ownership. His ownership interest. A- and so at the point where he's doing his this updated paperwork, he's got this splendid assistance of staff at the court who are presumably looking at all of his old documents And for a reason, and he has now come forward with a suggestion, but for whatever reason, he doesn't disclose the sale of this property. He said in the last couple of days he didn't do that because he believed he had suffered a loss. He had made some improvements to the property. He thought that the price that was paid for it was a loss and that he didn't have to disclose. But here's the problem, right? You've looked at the form too. The form very clearly says you have to disclose whether you made a profit or not. It's a Supreme Court justice. I'm pretty sure he can read. I'm pretty sure he's looked at cases where people have failed to make disclosures when the forms are clear and that he has held them accountable. So where we are right now is Justice Thomas has said he will come out and he will amend his earlier disclosure forms because of inadvertent failures to disclose.
1: Yeah, it just just looks too cute by half.
0: You know what Barb said? It looks too cute by half a million.
1: (laughs) Half a million is pretty good. Look, the federal disclosure law, as I understand it, requires justices and other officials to disclose the details of most real estate sales over $1,000, whether there was a loss or not, because you want to know whether there's an arm's length relationship with people, whether or not fair market value was paid or offered, and it wasn't a sweetheart deal. And, you know, given the nature of this friendship and the identity of the friend maybe he was trying to hide a financial relationship because he disclosed a lot of other smaller things.
0: Well, he did, right? He disclosed somebody gave him I think a stained glass medallion that year. And he dis- so he clearly gets just, that you I to always disclose
1: disclosed gifts. the stained glass medallions.
0: The very important thing to <laughs> disclose. I took a little gam at a Harlan Crow's website, his business website to figure out. Well, maybe doing your own research now. I you know, I'm I've always wanted That's to be dangerous. the agent, right? But I thought, well, maybe he buys old houses. Maybe this is part of his portfolio. You know, I didn't do an exhaustive look, but it looked like this was a business that invests in maybe multifamily homes from a development point of view, but mostly large, significant business properties worldwide. I'm not sure that $130,000 house in Savannah, Georgia, where Clarence is part is, of the plan, you know, his, his mama still lives there. And, and I feel enormous sympathy for her. I'm sure that there's a stakeout at her house right now, but she has lived there rent-free and, and will live there for the remainder of her life. I think she's responsible for paying property taxes. This is not a normal business deal.
1: It's not. There's, there's a lot weird about it. It's not great that it's coming out by reporting that it's a drip-drip situation. Those kinds of scandals in Washington, you know, loom larger than when everything comes out at once. I wonder if Clarence Thomas and his accountants and his advisors are doing, a, you know, a full internal Look and relook, and are going to come forward themselves. You know, I don't know. You know, Joan Biskupic, the Supreme Court watcher and reporter and journalist, will be on the podcast this week. We already recorded the interview. On stay tuned, and you know, we talked about whether or not the court that has been saying for now upwards of four years that it thinks that there should be some ethics rules with some definition and concreteness adopted and to be complied with by Supreme Court justices, but there's some obviously impasse about that, and it's not passing. And one question I think that we should be asking is, do these scandals such as they are rush the adoption and promulgation of those ethics rules, or is Thomas not going to want that?
0: Of course Thomas isn't going to want it, but I think that this, unlike anything else that's happened so far, maybe pushes the need for those rules. The court's going to have to do something to salvage its, its reputation here. But here's the underlying problem that still exists. Who enforces the rules, right? What enforcement will there be for Thomas's past lapses? Does he get away with just saying, oops, I'm sorry, inadvertent mistake, I'll refile? You know, there are additional sorts of, as you say, drip, drip, right? A little bit of talk that he was claiming income from a company that's defunct. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what to make of that, but I've seen things like that before when people are looking to hide income. No idea if that's that's the case here, but I think that there are a few more shoes to drop off that centipede.
1: Off the centipede.
0: Right. That's a hundred shoes. Lots of legs there. That's
1: a hundred <laughs> shoes. Not a millipede, though.
0: I don't know. Maybe just a millipede. Um, no, that's a thousand, right? Why can't,
1: why can't this be uh, enforced by Judge Judy?
0: That would be fun to watch. <laughs> um, is that, is that so, a
1: federalism problem?
0: You know, there are those issues, right? How do you have, say, Congress try to enforce ethics? I mean, that's a serious problem in the moment.
1: But people will be asking the question, how can it be that you have enforceable ethics rules for the rest of the judiciary? They're not at the top, but they're life-tenured. They're appointed by the president confirmed by Congress. Why is being on the Supreme Court so much different and so much more carefree than being on the Fifth Circuit?
0: So there is the federalism problem to to skirt there, which I think is the answer for why that hasn't existed before. And, And we're back to something we've talked about a lot, this notion that there are norms, right? Things that aren't laws, aren't rules, but that are practices that are so sacred that the idea that anyone would violate them is unthinkable. Supreme Court justices aren't just charged with doing the right thing. They're charged with avoiding even the appearance of impropriety. For any other judge, something like this would be a serious matter. I am very confident, and and I tweeted, right, that if I had done this, if I had failed to disclose that a wealthy Democratic donor had paid $130,000 for real estate I owned, I'm fairly confident that I would have been fired and, and prosecuted for doing that. It's a clear violation of clear rules. No one to enforce here. A couple of senators have asked the judicial conference. That's the body that oversees the federal court's to take a look at this and to make a referral to the Justice Department. I'm sure Merrick Garland's hair was on fire when he saw that.
1: (laughs) You mentioned Merrick Garland. I wonder what his perspective on all of this is. I wonder what you think. He, for many, many years, as everyone knows, was a D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals judge after he served in the Justice Department and now obviously he serves in the Justice Department again. So he knows uh, very well what the disclosure rules are, what you can and cannot get away with understands the difficulty, but the necessity of being very, very precise and full in your disclosures, is he going to have sympathy for Clarence Thomas? Or is he going to say, I managed to do it. Why can't you do it too?
0: I think it cuts both ways, very much in keeping with who he is, right? I think he will be understanding of the complexity in the process and aware that people really can't, people who are trying to do it right, can make mistakes in good faith. But I think that by the same token, he will know where that line is. And he'll be really in a singular position to assess whether anything that's referred to him or anything that he decides to look at on his own merits some form of serious investigation. I'm sure he's just really dying to add to his portfolio (laughs) of political cases. He
1: should just give it to Lisa Monaco. There you go. Put it on the DAG's plate.
0: It's a new task force for Lisa.
1: I I guess some people will ask the question, isn't this nickel and dime stuff Who cares, really? Justice Thomas is a very right-wing, entrenched conservative. And so what are we really talking about here, other than just, you know, dotting T's and crossing I's? And they'll say, the fact that this conservative billionaire befriended Clarence Thomas, whether that was kept, all the details of that and the financial arrangements with respect to that were kept away from the American people. Is this guy really influencing Clarence Thomas, who's been on the bench for decades, why should we care about it? I have an answer, but I wonder what your answer is.
0: You know, I keep going back to that early statement from Harlan Crow, where he said, nobody ever made any effort to influence Justice Thomas in our annual get-togethers. And you look at that picture of Clarence Thomas surrounded by a circle of wealthy, you know, white men, and one of them is Leonard Leo. And others of them are very influential conservatives. And sure, I would be very surprised if any of them said, hey, Clarence, please vote this way in X case. You know, I I think it's a certainty that that didn't happen.
1: And even if they did, he's probably already thinking that.
0: He might have been pre-inclined, right? But, But here's the problem. We have a system that's built on this notion that no man is above the law. You don't get to walk away from the rules just because you're a Supreme Court justice who's already conservative. The whole notion that someone would try to engage in that form of influence, and that's something, frankly, that we don't know a lot about yet. Was there an effort? Was this group trying to influence Thomas? Pro approaches him a few years after he's on the bench. It's not a, not a pre-existing friendship. There's a lot that we don't know there. We don't know if his views became harder. He was, if I recall his confirmation hearings correctly, pretty hard conservative leaning at the time where he went on the bench. This affronts my sense of fair play. This affronts my notion that judges are supposed to hold themselves above the fray. This really damages the confidence people in this country have in the judiciary And it happens at the worst possible time. It happens as the court is making decisions like the abortion case. The court will very likely decide the outcome of the 2024 election. And Clarice Thomas was the one in an 8-1 vote, right, on whether or not there should be an effort to prevent former President Trump's papers from being disclosed to Congress. That does damage to our institutions in ways that far, far outlives any of what people might see as small change stuff here.
1: The other point I'll make is, if you want to know if something is serious or not, or should be dealt with seriously or not, one thought experiment is to put the shoe on the other foot. Now find out that Justice Sotomayor or Justice Kagan wasn't disclosing transactions and real estate deals and lavish travel from George Soros or someone else who the right doesn't like and thinks is overly influential in our criminal justice system, and our legal system generally, through held to pay there'd be screaming on all the conservative (laughs) podcasts. And when you see that kind of dynamic taking place, that's another version of an answer to the question I asked, which is, you know, Clarence Thomas, given the system of rules we have, or Justice Sotomayor, or Justice Kagan, or any any of them, shouldn't be the ones deciding selectively, well, I'm not being influenced here, this is not a problem, so I'm not going to disclose it. That's what for other people to determine. And the other point I'll make here is most of what we're talking about is not even saying that there's a ban necessarily on taking the largesse, right? On taking the, I mean, no one's even saying, mostly, I don't think, don't get on the plane, don't eat the steak, don't go on the trip, don't sell the property. Just be public about it. And the fact that you're not public about it, as uh, we say in a different context, is perhaps consciousness of guilt. Disclosure, sunshine, is how democracy is supposed to work.
0: And there's a pattern here. If it was just one incident, right, you might think it was a mistake. The problem is, as a pattern of failure to disclose only things that could have political sensitivity emerges, it does start to look more problematic. You know, you, you were using the example of Justice Sotomayor, which I know you just pulled out of the air for purposes of of the example— and I sort of cringed a little bit inside because I would react strongly to that. I would, you know, it would not only be the Republican pundits who would be outraged. Be Joyce Vance, too. I would be. Democrats are sometimes accused of, you know, bringing a knife to a gunfight or a glass of lemonade to a gunfight. I wonder if there has been a failure of, of outrage here. You know, Thomas maybe hopes that he can survive another couple of news cycles and that this will die down.
1: Well, because it always does. It There's no enforcement. Well, it does.
0: There's no enforcement. Maybe the enforcement is political, and, and maybe the folks who have the senators who've asked the judicial conference to look at this and refer it to DOJ, perhaps they've realized that that is one of the only paths forward for accountability, and that's why they took that rather unusual step.
1: So we've talked about the abortion bill case. We've talked about Clarence Thomas. We've talked about ethics. What big news that's ongoing have we not talked about yet?
0: Has a former president been indicted?
1: Where are we at this moment, Joyce?
0: You know, we are in a, a really strange place, no, right? No,
1: what— geographically, let's remind people where we are.
0: We are in New York City, in Manhattan. In Manhattan. The jurisdiction Newark of... New County. Alvin Bragg.
1: Alvin Bragg, who's a... Dis- he, you were under his care at this moment.
0: I feel safe under his care. I feel safe in New York City, where it very, feels very safe out on the streets here late at night. There's some differences of opinion about that. I hope Jim Jordan is listening.
1: We, we don't have to talk about that and debate that at the moment, although maybe Jim Jordan wants to. So there have been some filings the last week, not relating to what evidence can and cannot be used at the trial of Donald Trump, not relating to motion practice, not relating to a bill of particulars, which you very deftly and brilliantly explained last week or the week
0: before. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who've chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.